Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Artificial Talk. I'm your host Tristan and today I'm here with Robert. Yes. And today we got a whole slew of great topics today, uh, including the PS5 versus the Xbox Series X. I know Microsoft and Sony are competitors, but, you know, we thought we would compare them anyways. Along with the new uh, Apple releases, the MacBook Air, the new iPad Pro, and just a slew of other topics. You slowing down Netflix and YouTube. It's going to be a fun day today. So, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and we're going to get all started here today with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Uh, Robert, which one do you think we should start with first? Uh, well, uh, so PS5 this week just revealed or released their kind of specs for their PS5, while uh, Xbox, I believe, was earlier this month, if I remember correctly. Um, so that was pretty neat. Um, performance-wise, the PS5 is not as powerful as the Xbox X, which is a lot of people are like, ah, but um, fear not, because I know that they will have good games. So I'm still I'm still a PS fanboy, um, and uh, for a fact, I know that uh, interestingly enough, the PS5 instead of spending a, a lot of money on their uh, their uh, cpu and gpu they spent more money on their cooling system which is interesting for this version of a console rather than what xbox been doing and putting more investing more money into the gpu and cpu of the hardware um in terms of speeds uh we know that the uh cpu speed um let me pull up right here uh, for the PS5, uh, we're looking at a three eight core 3.5 gigahertz, while the Xbox Series X is a core 3.8 gigahertz. So as you can see, the Xbox is leading there, um, and then GPU as well. Uh, the PS5 only has 10.3 teraflops, uh, while the Xbox Series X has 12 teraflops. Um, they're both so- running AMD's N2. Uh, core processors. Uh, go ahead, Tristan. You want to say yeah, something? I was gonna say. So on paper, it looks like the Xbox does have the better specs between the two. I mean, as you said, um, but as you also said, I think the PlayStation is gonna get a lot of cool exclusives. I mean, we've heard a lot about The Last of Us Two, for example, being a great one. Um, I, I'm not a huge PlayStation person. I'm actually more of an Xbox person. So conflict. <laughs> <laughs> um, but conflict arises. Right. <laughs> But between the two of them, honestly, it's going to be interesting. As I said before, Microsoft apparently doesn't consider Sony and Nintendo its competitors anymore, even though they continue to release consoles that look more and more like a PC. To be clear, so does Sony. Sony's They're now showing us exactly what kind of processors and GPUs they have in these. As in before, they often would kind of hide those things, which was weird, right? Yeah. Um... But it's interesting the different perspectives they're taking on this. So the Xbox is actually going to have its own proprietary expansion slot. Um, Now, you still can use a hard drive or an external SSDs, things like that, to plug into the USB ports and use those as storage. But for the new Xbox Series X games uh, that use their velocity architecture, as they call it, uh, you must use the internal storage or the proprietary expansion, which they haven't announced pricing for yet. And I'm a little scared of what that pricing is going to look like. But it does look like Sony is allowing you to actually custom install your own M.2 SSD in their console. So that's kind of neat. Um, but at the same time, I wonder if that means that they're not expecting you to store a lot on your console. Or you're going to have to pay for a one terabyte SSD, for example, which are not cheap at all. Especially M.2. Um, and it does look like they're using PCIe 4.0. So it might support like NVMe and all that. So... You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting between the two consoles, though. I mean, there's a lot of exclusive games between the two of them. They have a long legacy. I mean, the original Xbox came out in what 2003, I think. Which yeah, <laughs> wow, it was a crazy long time ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the first PlayStation would pretty much follow. I think in the I want to say the year after, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Robert. The PlayStation Two is that what you're talking about? The PlayStation One, the original one. 
Oh, that came out in 1995. I stand corrected. That came out much earlier than the yeah. Xbox did. Um, but we're in an interesting time now where they're kind of just becoming PCs. I, I don't mm-hmm. That's one of yeah. those weird things. Yeah, especially with the uh, Xbox. I mean, it looks like a PC tower. <laughs> it literally and, is. <laughs> or go ahead, go ahead. And, and then, so that's kind of where the thing is kind of like, now with consoles do we want them kind of looking like consoles still or are we just shifting everything over to pcs and we don't know what the ps5 looks like i'm kind of hoping that it still keeps my i personally like there's like sort of a a feel because i i personally like collecting consoles and stuff i have uh quite a few consoles about 10 in my inventory jeez (laughs) <laughs> um yeah it's a little hobby i have going on and the ma- my main reason as a collector of consoles is that i like just how each one looks different i don't really like collecting pcs because i mean they all look the same like these days um which is fair honestly yeah. i mean because i guess the old saying is if it ain't broke don't fix it and i guess the xbox and the playstation for a while kind of did look exactly the same they were basically giant bricks for a little bit um kind of unique designs to be clear i think the 360 especially uh try to stand out from what the playstation was and now this year the xbox is a uh, a cube rectangle that goes up and the yeah. the playstation is an engine now at least from <laughs> what patent show they actually haven't confirmed a design yet to be clear but we're expecting an engine basically as their next thing mm. But, I don't know. Robert, let me ask you a question. Do you think the console wars are over? So, um, I kind of think those days are kind of past us. Um, which, majority of people are kind of moving to the PC scene um, type of area. Um, so, I don't really think that console wars are there anymore. Um, it's just a lot of people just looking at specs now. Kind of like... Uh, like laptops and stuff it just kind of moved into the general mesh that's technology and just people are just interested to see where companies go um in terms of like how it was back in early 2000s where people just fighting like throwing stuff at each other like crazy console wars i think those days are kind of gone i think it just the total just like the whole entire internet has kind of moved past that phase um youtube and stuff like that like old youtube has changed to way more professional i just think it's just a whole movement of the internet kind of um so i mean do you think then that like things like google stadia geforce now um all that sort of thing are going to replace consoles or do you think they just become another like pc gaming route let's call it well that's actually pretty interesting because with google stadia i mean we i remember when xbox i believe was xbox the first to do it because they were trying to look into uh no disk drives for their consoles um an old streaming uh, cloud computing kind of thing. Um, I remember back in the day when they were trying to do that, a lot of people got angry because I remember when the Xbox one originally got announced, it was required that um, you needed to have the disc in there and be connected to the internet um, for it to work on your console or something like that. And that's why a lot of people got really angry at Xbox for doing that. And then PS4 used that as advantage to boost their, um, new release of the PlayStation 4 saying oh yeah you could you don't need you could do this in offline um, but yeah with Google Stadia and um, Nvidia had their new thing that they announced um, I just feel like uh, their overall kind of like feel for consoles and stuff is everyone's just eventually I guess gonna sw- switch over to like PC maybe um I don't really know, because uh, it's kind of like people enjoy having consoles. Like, there's a community that likes collecting. Like, I'm in that community that likes collecting things. Right. And then there's right. people like building PCs and like specs and stuff. So it's kind of like, I bet there'll always be that one company that keeps in it. But um, kind of like how PlayStation said that this would be their last console. Who knows if this is their last console? And then Xbox as well. This might be the last console. I mean, Xbox makes Windows, so. They could just completely just jump over to um, what they're already doing. So, um, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do find it very interesting that it's we're at the point now where I almost wonder 
how important is the release of this Xbox and this PlayStation at this point, though? In a world where a budget PC you can probably get for almost the same amount of money that you can buy these consoles at at this point, right? Yeah. Um, I believe that question comes up like every new generation. It's like, oh, why not make a PC? Because PC's always been around as long as consoles have. Pro- the PC's been longer than consoles have, and that's always been a point of argument. And it's always right. consoles are always there because it's a cheaper option to play games when building it is the more expensive way. So, um, currently, I mean, it's so easy and cheap to build a PC these days. I mean, I see a guy build a Minecraft running PC for twenty five dollars. <laughs> From finding parts <laughs> in the garbage and using the cardboard box as a case, so um, I definitely think that um, it is easier to build a PC these days than it was before. So that's why consoles are switching over to get better specs to maybe get those PC gamers to buy a console, and that's where exclusive games come in, and that's where PlayStation PlayStation always been a huge kind of fact factor for getting a PlayStation is their exclusive games. That's yeah, that's very true, especially in a world where Microsoft is allowing all their games to exist on PC now. But either way, I think there is some point where your point still stands because if we look at the new MacBook Air, we can see that that price tag is still remaining pretty high. Although they did lower a hundred dollars from the old MacBook Air, well, I call it old that just came out. Um, so let's put a little bit of context on this the new macbook air and the new ipad pro just got released now robert doesn't know a huge amount about the new apple stuff (laughs) that just came out right yeah i'm more of a i never really look into apple that much uh more of a uh, windows android mainly has been my own upbringing um never really touch apple um i wouldn't i don't really like apple but i understand they do have cool form factors so i can see where the interest is from right and the MacBook Air, for a while, uh, even if you've never had one yourself, you definitely recognize the name and what it looks like because it was the first thin and white PC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I was going to say, the MacBook Air itself, if you saw it from, I think it was three years ago when they first released a new version of it, there's not a huge change with this upgrade. Although, as I said, $100 decrease in value, uh, or $100 decrease in value, it got lowered by $100, so it's a little cheaper to buy, especially for if you're a student or something like that. Um, and you can now get a quad core on it. And uh, they also got rid of those butterfly switches. So if you weren't a fan of those butterfly switches and you're waiting for the old scissor keys to come back, the MacBook Air has those now. Um, so, Robert, I'm curious on your perspective of this, though. As a person who doesn't really touch Apple that often, what do you think of the MacBook Air, the new one, not the old one? Uh, so the new one, um, like I said, uh, Apple products really have that cool factor, like in terms of appearance, um, sleek design, stuff like that. The stuff that's Windows laptops have been lacking up until the XPS model and um, the Surface Book, stuff like that. Um, so... I I'm generally uh, find it interesting. Um, it just seems like another Apple product, though. There really isn't anything that's standing out that really catches my eye. Um, I just norm- see it as a normal release from Apple, um, just like another another year, another tech. Um, I got product. you. Yeah, and I, I sort of agree with you on that. I think even before we started talking on the podcast, we both were talking about it a little bit. Um, I actually am more interested in the iPad Pro, and one of my the biggest things I'm interested in is the LiDAR camera. Um, so a little bit of background on us, we actually used to work on a robotics team, and one of the things I remember Robert was working on was a LiDAR camera for our, our robot back in the day. Um, so I, I'm interested in what you have to say about the LiDAR camera on the iPad Pro at this point. Yeah, so LiDARs are actually pretty cool. Um... Uh, I know they use them for autonomous driving. That was a huge thing for LiDARs. Um, even though Elon Musk doesn't like LiDARs, he says just use cameras instead. Um, so LiDARs, basically, you send out a, kind of a laser, um, and there's different degrees of LiDAR, so how much of a, like a, like a 360 you're getting of an area. Um, just with a camera, I believe it's 180-degree LiDAR, so that means just a range from 180 degrees. It's, uh, so it sends a laser out, and then it comes back or sees it. So it tells you how far stuff is away how far objects is and it's used to map stuff so i know that they're using it for ar um which is uh, really cool so basically like yo you're sitting in your room 
and then you turn on your camera and then it could like sense how far stuff is and then you could like maybe get an app people could start developing apps to like play stuff so a good example of use would be like if someone's trying to buy if someone bought a house and they're um, trying to see if furniture looks cool there they could use ar to put pop down furniture and see what it looks like in the room before they buy it stuff like that, that so that's pretty, awesome that's pretty sick um another thing is people for businesses um i saw this more with hololens which is another ar thing that microsoft developed uh a couple years ago that they're working on um businesses they can look at graphs in 3d they can interact with people they can have conferences with businesses um screens so you're basically anywhere in your room now could be a screen and how many screens you want as long as there's processing power for them <laughs> um, oh yeah of course <laughs> so there's a lot of things to do with um, and the lidar helps that by just determining how far away objects are and then just uses your camera to do that stuff so there's a lot of oh and minecraft world or minecraft earth <laughs> <laughs> of course of course i uh, can't forget about that <laughs> so so yeah so this new ipad got an upgraded processor it went from the a12x to the a12z uh, we're going by alphabet now apparently for processors so the cpu in this ipad is more powerful than most small ultrabooks and when i say small i mean computers like the macbook air maybe the old dell xps's i don't know how it uh, squares up to the new ones with their six cores but um the old four core xps i do remember did get i think on par or got beat by the ipad pro's processor the old one um so i'm curious on a sort of practicality level do you think that this cpu is going to be enough to allow the lidar and sort of everything apple's trying to do with ar do you think it's going to put push the boundaries like let's say like hololens does where you can build a motorcycle in ar now yeah so i mean it's not gonna be like that crazy because it's not dedicated just it's just kind of another thing right. added um just to say oh we improved our technology like as time went on we made improvements um so since it's a new thing it's, of course it's gonna take time for it to become like more people are going to use as consumers uh i see it it definitely has some promise um and it's, but, it's, uh, go ahead so yeah but if you don't mind interrupting but do you so this is going to be one of the first devices that's going to put ar in the consumer hands though like like hololens for example we both know is sort of enterprise focused like it's for like let's say honda or um you know Vol volvo or all those car companies who can you know afford to put like hundreds of these on for their employees who can then learn to assemble their cars in ar um i actually i think that's the only ar example i can think of off the top of my <laughs> head but would you say this is the first lidar device that puts lidar in consumer hands though even if it's a very basic level lidar i'd say this is the biggest because i mean it's apple and a lot of people use apple so it's going to be one of the biggest pushes for ar being in a device um, so it's definitely getting way more people experience to AR. I mean, there's there's stuff that's kind of like like kind of fake AR or whatever, where it's using your camera. I mean, it's not fake, but it's just like uh, oh, it's using AI sort of thing. Yeah, uh, not yeah yeah. Like uh, Pokemon Go is a good example where you switch oh, your camera on you. and you can kind of like move the Pokemon a little around there, and it's just using your camera stuff. So that's been like you could just use your phone camera for that. But then Lighter really gives that accuracy of exactly like where stuff are because the camera can only tell depth so much by using two cameras or whatever by using it's called like st uh, stereo cameras so like how our eyes right. views perception of distance um and it kind of just figures it out using some algorithms and processing right but yeah 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 um so like as you can tell by pokemon go it's kind of like it's still finicky it's not like exactly like right. it's staying still like you'll move the camera around or like uh, snapchat filters another one um scans your face uh, right and it's not it's it's not perfect all the time this allows it to be like way more precise it has way more uh, information and stuff i see i see what you're saying yeah so we talked a lot about lidars um i don't think that's the most impressive part of this obviously <laughs> i think the trackpad is the most impressive part yes now i've spoken to Lily about this before and we actually in one of our original podcasts we were talking about how it we we're asking if the ipad could replace a computer um my answer to that was no at the time and to an extent i will still stand by that answer um louie's answer at the time was yes so robert you're not a big apple person and i know you're not a huge tablet person but at this point 
if you had to use an iPad as your daily computer and it has a trackpad on it and the keyboard and all that sort of thing, do you think it could replace your computer? Honestly, I would say that this has been one of the most interesting things that I've seen from Apple that's got my interest up the most. Um, now that they have like trackpad in it, um, you can basically, like you said, turn it into a computer. Um, will it replace my computer and stuff? No, because I need more processing power. But for mobile, because um, I personally was looking into getting a Surface, uh, a Surface Pro. Interesting. As a for school to write on as a tablet, it has a keyboard and a mouse, so it's like a full blown computer, and it's way more mobile. Um, so this definitely caught my interest. I I personally won't see myself getting it just because like if you get one Apple product, everything else really needs to be an Apple product. <laughs> but I definitely out of everything, I definitely see it kind of um destroying that barrier between what is a computer, and what is a a tablet. Um, right. Yeah, especially I don't know if you've seen how like the keyboard works, but it's supposed to be like a, a like almost like a floating keyboard. Like the computer that or the the computer, the iPad doesn't actually lock onto the keyboard. It kind of just floats in the air. Um, so you can I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, you know yeah, I've seen, I've seen that. It's like magnetic, right? It's like a smart right or like a magic keyboard or something. Right, mm-hmm. as the magic keyboard too. <laughs> um. But it's kind of interesting to me how this iPad is being, or yeah, actually this whole iPad and the keyboard and all it is being framed. Like it was interesting because two or three years ago, I remember the ads for the iPad were asking what is a computer, and this one says that your next computer won't be a computer, <laughs> which is, which is, it's a weird advertisement, right? Yeah, I think that. I mean, okay. I, I think they're trying to go with. Because you think of a computer, you think you're at a desk. I think they're saying, like, right. this is something mobile. That's the only thing I could kind of think that they're going with for that. Um, yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens at the side. But, like, nobody's got it in their hands yet, so we haven't really seen the LiDAR in action. Um, nor this new key- uh, Magic Keyboard, which, to my knowledge, is the first keyboard that includes... A touch. Actually, I will say it is the first Magic Keyboard that includes a touchpad, which is crazy because in the past the idea of having a touchscreen in any sort of Apple operating system was kind of non-existent. Even when uh, Microsoft was doing it, I remember Windows became basically touchscreen oriented, right? And then uh, Mac OS famously did not. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with it. I'm definitely excited to uh, see you know what people can do with that sort of technology in their hands uh the trackpad especially you know that's very special (laughs) very special place in a lot of people's hearts yeah that's the Uh, coolest feature from this new (laughs) i feel like apple's finally doing something that will uh definitely improve their quality right right now and speaking of quality so there is a virus going around um as robert and patrick referred to it last week uh human malware um, so in response, uh, Google and Netflix are going to take some steps to make sure that, especially if you live in Europe, well, only if you live in Europe, that your internet will not break. Um, and the way they're doing that is they're slowing down their uh, streaming services. So I believe the exact specifications are they're lowering the bit rates on streaming content. So for example, with uh, Netflix, you're only going to be streaming at a rate that's equivalent to like 480p. And the same with uh, YouTube. Although I believe YouTube does allow you to go up, I think there's restrictions on how that works. So we've talked a little bit about the virus that's going around uh, around the world right now. Robert, what do you think of this response from Google and Netflix? Um, I think, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, kind of no one kind of saw it coming. I didn't see it coming until I saw it this week as it popped up the thought of the internet actually like being slowed down. But then once you think about it, it's like, yeah, there's like a lot of people on the internet these days. I mean, especially I remember the, uh, India just like they had their whole entire internet infrastructure just finally built like last year or something. So that's like another 1 billion people on the internet. Um, and then with the EU, right. everyone away from the jobs, everyone's saying, Oh, stay at home. Well, of course people are going to use the internet. Cause I mean, that's, what's keeping us like sane during these times. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> And so it's definitely interesting to see that, like, hey, we actually, we thought, like, like 
the internet came out like 25 years ago or something like that in the right. 90s early 90s so we kind of thought like oh by now i mean we have like very strong internet internet infrastructures which we do to support but like we still can't handle this amount of people around the world using the internet right. um and i and just especially the, oh, uh, go, go ahead. ahead sorry um just especially just like the uh for this case only in europe i mean i can see it's just around the world too um i know that the navy also spoke about this too i mean government um, uses the internet to send important information to other people, so it slows down how the governments are working with each other. So right. it's definitely interesting. And we've even heard that the uh, the Navy's having some issues with their internet as well because everyone's trying to access social medias. They're trying to they're trying to go down to these streaming content services because even they're not allowed to leave. Uh, sort of the quarantine that's happening right now. Um, so. It, it's interesting. So the Navy in particular here that we have, um, the DOD networks are strained under the amount of network that's being used because they haven't really, like they have, I think it was around 160,000 um, government devices given to their staff and all their personnel. And then my understanding is the network itself was only built to handle like 40,000 consecutive connections at once. So, as you can imagine, everyone's quarantined, everyone's trying to use the network, and now everything is, like, super congested. Um, and, I mean, that's on the Navy side of things, but then put it on sort of the, you know, EU level where it's, you know, a billion people or so. And now you're sort of seeing this crazy just overload of all these network infrastructures we put in place, and everyone's trying to stream Netflix, YouTube, they're trying to go to Facebook, they're trying to go to Reddit, they're trying to go wherever they can to find entertainment to keep themselves occupied it's just it's just crazy right now yeah and it's kind of like thinking like uh governments now uh use the internet it's so interconnected to the government operation operations that it's slowing down everything um so it's definitely uh it could be can be scary to see like uh how it's gonna change the operations of like not only governments and companies and stuff um I mean, the world as a whole, honestly, yeah. right? So it's it's definitely one of those things. We're seeing the internet. We're, we're sort of seeing the outer limits of the internet in these kind of crazy times. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's something right? I would never think I would see. It was just like the internet being like this much strange, especially when they're like we're on the age where they're about to uh, bring up five G networks, <laughs> right? We're bringing a 5G now. Um, SpaceX is trying to launch their Starlink network. Uh, the FCC just approved them, and we're sort of we're seeing that whole network start to get deployed with the Spectrum being approved and all that sort of thing. And we're at a time now where the world is struggling to use the internet that we have in place, the infrastructure we already have in place. Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you do you think so? Do you think that the infrastructure we have right now is going to hold up, or do you think we're going to start seeing, I guess, like blackouts in a sense, where it's just so congested that everything just stops for a little bit? Do you think we'll see anything like that? Um, as long as the companies like YouTube and Facebook uh, or Netflix uh, continue to like uh, do these precautions, we should be fine. But I mean, anything can happen. Um, I mean, it, I mean, as long as people are not f- uh, streaming 4K everywhere, <laughs> or torrenting everything, or uh, I'm yeah, for that to happen. <laughs> um, or doing those crazy stuff that's requiring gigabits of as long as no one's using that gigabit Ethernet. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Steam. Uh, I remember two weeks ago or earlier this week, uh, actually reached their most highest player count. Um, really ever yeah it was over 100 million concurrent players around the world so (laughs) with all that happening i could definitely see why the internet's taking a huge hit right now Um, right especially for many of those users that don't play that often and maybe they save some space on the computers they uninstall the game and all of a sudden they're stuck at home they go to install the game along with the hundred thousand other users Mm -hmm. which is i can't even imagine the amount of strain (laughs) <laughs> some of these networks are under right now especially how big these game files are um, oh yeah Mar- call of duty modern warfare I remember it was like 90 gigabytes or 100 gigabytes to download Is it really 90 <laughs> gigabytes something like that it was something that's... crazy <laughs> so that's insane mm-hmm. i mean i'm hopeful that 
maybe after this whole thing's over, the inf- I'm hoping things like 5G and all that maybe in the future could help alleviate issues like this. Um, or maybe it's just honestly an innate sort of limit of what we can build right now. Honestly, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. I definitely feel with, like, Starlink and stuff, where he's going to... Mm-hmm. It's basically... Uh, Elon Musk, basically uh, CEO of SpaceX, is basically launching all these satellite stuff um, to provide right. internet around the world or to uh, people that really need it, so like Africa stuff like that. And he's not only doing that, but making it cheap for people to access it. Um, so I, right. so that's going to even add more, um, uh, improve our internet infrastructure uh, more. So stuff like this wouldn't happen, or at least prevent it, or diminish it from happening to, yeah, yeah. Um, try to help it yeah i'm also reading like um for starlink itself it's supposed to be like one of the fastest ways of sending um information packets um using that starlink i was reading like stocks and businesses were gonna start looking at using uh starlink for doing trades and stuff because it's gonna be the most precise you could get to real time in terms of tra- uh, pa- packet traversal so, so I mean, yeah, we're talking a lot about Starlink, and I actually think about it now. We haven't really said what Starlink is. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit more, Robert. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, uh, SpaceX uh, is – it's basically a 1,000 satellites. There's kind of like this kind of grid pattern that's going to be up in our atmosphere um, just around the globe or around the majority areas that need the Internet. Um, and it's basically going to be interconnected. So a bunch of satellites that you can think of the grid pattern and they're going to send information packets to each other, um, across that grid to wherever it needs to go. So from point, so let's say from America, from Washington, DC to, uh, London, it's going to go up into space, hit one satellite. It's going to bounce off other satellites and then go down. Um, that's basically how it's going to be working. Um, and they already launched 36 satellites up there currently oh awesome yeah so i mean theoretically it would be significantly cheaper than what we've had to do before with the undersea cables and all that sort of oh thing. yeah yeah most definitely the massive data centers yeah yeah and less risk of like losing internet because of those undersea cables get like cut or breached or something and they have to That's do repairs too. um you have to think about right. it i think it's like every 10 or 20 years they have to do repairs on those cable lines um with which, you know, means they have to employ a ton of people to do it. They have to have a, set a mass amount of resources, I imagine. Plus, you know, it's under the ocean. So it's yeah. just a hazard in all. Like hazard one, in general. One case I remember, a shark bit a cable. And that I, it was one of the main cables, too. <laughs> I forget what it was. I think it was for Africa. It was like a sea cable to Africa. And they lost oh, internet. Or maybe it was, it was somewhere in the area. Africa, like Middle East, somewhere. They lost internet for like two weeks. Um, that's it took two right. weeks because there was no there was no support team for that like they didn't think that would happen but it did right so whereas hopefully like two weeks so right where it's hopefully with these satellites i i guess they are hoping no space sharks appear or any sort of meteorites yeah. or anything like that hits them <laughs> no aliens which, no aliens yeah although you almost did say that uh the satellites look like ufos on a stick so i'm not really sure what he's going for there but it's Elon Musk, you know. Yeah, I always have to have that pop culture reference in there. <laughs> he does. Um, all of his Twitter account, all of that sort of thing. Star he... Starman. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got a, a roadster just kind of floating out there in space now, which is, you know, it's cool. But I do have to question why. But then I know it's Elon Musk. So, But he'll do what he's doing. In the meantime, uh, maybe going back to a little bit of a, a less cheery topic. So, currently, a company known as Athena Security says that it's it's found it's it's a surveillance company, and they're deploying um, virus detecting cameras. Now, specifically, it's looking for the worldwide virus that we spoke about last week, um, and basically, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to detect fevers. The main reason being that this virus uh, will show symptoms such as fevers, increased body temperature, all that sort of thing. So. They're saying that they want to place it in airports and grocery stores and all these sort of places to maybe keep an eye on people to see who is maybe infected with this virus. Um, It is interesting because we've seen things like facial technology. We've seen things like um, 
Um, what else will we release? And we've seen thermal equipment, all that sort of thing placed in the field before. But this will be sort of the first time that that's placed in almost like public space, if that makes sense. Like phase recognition has kind of been there, but then the EU said we're not doing this anymore and there's a lot of laws around it and all that sort of thing now. But we've never really heard of like anything that prevents thermal cameras from being in place. So I don't know. It's an interesting time to be in. Yeah. Do, I mean, what? Do, how do you feel about like the kind of like the personal, like the, the breach of like personal, um, what's it called? Like your security, your personal, like people don't like their faces being like, uh, like took it down. Yeah. Like, uh, data breaching or. So there was that, uh, there was that one company who was scanning Google for faces. I'm going to, I think they're called Clearview. I think is the name of the company. Um, literally what they would do is, is that they would basically scrape off a bunch of image data off Google mm-hmm. and then place it through their filters to learn how to recognize faces and all that sort of thing. But um, as you can kind of figure out, that was sort of an invasion of privacy because now this company just has a database of your face and your image all over the place that their algorithm can now identify. So when I sort of look at this, this is interesting because it's using the normal cameras we've always had around, but essentially it's using thermal technology to tell if you have, you know, the virus or you have a fever that's happening or you're sick with something. Um, I guess the question you asked me is, do I consider this sort of an invasion of privacy? There it is. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> it was right on my tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, and that's, a t- that's honestly a tough question for me to answer. Like, do I consider my body heat as a part of my privacy? I guess not really, but I'll put it like this. I guess the implications for allowing this technology now could be much worse later. If that, if that sort of mm-hmm. makes sense. If they have these like systems it, up now. Right. Like it's sort of like facial recognition right now. Facial recognition for the most part is pretty terrible and doesn't do that much, but there is a future where the algorithm learns and it gets better to the point where now it can scan like your face from miles away, just off of like a few pixels and then pick you out of a crowd. Um, that's not happening now. It's pretty terrible right now as it stands, but that could happen. This is sort of the same thing where I'm like, right now, it's not, it seems like it's probably maybe for the better with this whole epidemic going around. But then I, I guess I asked the question of in the future, what are the implications for this? Mm-hmm. Like, how does this get used to invade my privacy even more? Will this um, lead to an all seeing eye? <laughs> right. That, 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 that sounds like a slippery slope argument, which. You know, it kind of is because for as much as I say they probably could extract data off your body heat, I mean, companies have found smaller ways to do it, right? Like, yeah. it's not a crazy thing. Um, like, like, like I'll, I'll, let me put up an example. Like, let's say, for example, like, like this camera scanned you. It sees that you have a higher temperature than you're supposed to have or a cooler temperature than you're supposed to have. Um, a company like let's say Google could all of a sudden grab that data and then start advertising to you like medication that maybe mm. is to help you curve symptoms or something like that. Like, is that crazy to think about? Yeah. Yes, like, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, going on with more of these surveillance things because um, I know that there is just normal cameras that do uh, recognition that, um, especially going to China, you know. <laughs> Right, um, they're uh, having a bunch of cameras around um, that's using the image tracking, <clears throat> and they uh, have developed an algorithm that tells if you're wearing a sick max or not um, to detect it right. up to eighty percent, I believe, eighty or ninety percent accuracy. I think it was ninety-five percent. You're talking about the ones that can recognize you through the mask, right? Yeah, it will recognize if you're wearing a mask or not to kind of tell if you're like sick or not. Right, um, I think I believe it was ninety five percent, which is crazy. Yeah, so yeah, it's absolutely crazy with the technologies, the ways things are going, um, and like especially China. I mean, how many people are walking around in China with masks on? I um, mean, even here though, we've seen an increase in people wearing masks for the whole virus and all that. Oh yeah, I'm just but I'm just speaking like the population size of China is huge. Oh, that's true. And right, determining right, right. and having that much tracking with a single camera running that much information. It's just crazy. 
and it's probably building up a huge stockpile of information. That's probably why they have right. such a high percentage. Because um, I know EU was doing something, something similar to that, and they were having an accuracy of like 20% or something like that. It was super low. And yeah. I remember Microsoft was like a front runner for it too at the time. Like I remember uh, then the EU said we're going to ban facial recognition for five years or something um, uh, until they could better create walls around the technology. Although Athena C- Security does state that their cameras will not have any sort of AI face recognition technology. So they're making sure that they stay away from the whole, you know, facial recognition sort yeah. of thing. And instead they just focus on the thermal imaging, yeah, which, the, the legality, right. Which, which maybe is something so that they are allowed to exist in the EU for the meantime, or maybe it could just be so that people don't think that they're trying to creep on them as they're walking by, maybe that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's interesting to see where this goes. I think it's something we'll definitely keep an eye on and try to give updates as they kind of come out with more and more things. Yeah. But, man, this whole thing is just continually affecting us. Uh, The next topic is going to be something I'm sure that a lot of you have felt, especially the ones who are in quarantine right now. Um, GameStop is currently looking to close all their stores in California for indefinitely, which... um, for a company that's already struggling a lot, that's a very, very interesting move, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Amazon uh, also looks like they're going to be shuttering a lot of their services and slowing down a little bit in order to stop uh, stop the spread of this virus. So we'll start with GameStop first. Robert, I know you're you love playing video games. I I'm sure when you were younger, you were also the kid that was going into stores yep. playing those video games. I would definitely was myself. Um, some of the best memories I remember, I used to go into GameStop stores just to see the newest console. So, we're both California residents. Robert, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about GameStop closing all their California stores, basically until the further future? Okay, so I grew up loving GameStop. That was like my place to go to chill out. Um, I always had really good interactions with the employees there. Um, and it was just kind of like my childhood. Uh, and then as years progressed, it, they just got worse as a company as they realized that the, the markets are moving away from them towards online and downloading. Um, so they got more like locked down and selling their memberships and stuff. And all people liked it. But um, currently as they stand, um, I'm agreeing that they should close their stores. I mean, they had... Um, they try to keep it open because they know that they're not doing well. And they're actually they're in their fourth quarter right now. And they said that their sales were actually going up high because everyone's at home um, buying stuff. But that increases the risk of corona or of, of the virus um, going uh, spreading around. Um, and also for the employees are getting worried. There was a lot of people, a lot of employees out on Twitter and stuff going against it. And GameStop tried to mitigate it. By, uh, I remember because Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal came out yes, uh, this past week. Um, right. And so they try to mitigate that by having Animal Crossing come out on one day and Doom the next day so there's not double the amount of people in line. Um, right. But I definitely agree that they should close their stores because um, they're not really a necessity. Unlike, like, right. Best Buy's stayed open because, of course, people are staying home and they need their electronics and computers and stuff to work at home but for GameStop's sake uh they're not really essential yeah they're not really essential and also in pennsylvania um they just got forced closure Uh, they actually got their license suspended in pennsylvania uh that's wait they got yeah that was license yeah so yeah um i think it happened today uh really yeah (laughs) because they were staying open (laughs) and they and they told their employees um, just tell the cops or whatever that we're a central store to stay open to hand them their corporate office phone number. And then it came toward <laughs> really? the actual, um, governor, I believe of Pennsylvania or one of the head officials, uh, right. saying like, actually saying no, you guys need to close your store. We're suspending you until further notice. <laughs> wow. So, that's <laughs> crazy. Cal- I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So California, they were just like, oh yeah, they briefly just exited. And in Pennsylvania, they, they got screwed. So I'm kind of sad. Wow. I mean, they're turning into everyone saying the blockbuster, but especially with like Reggie, which is the former CEO of uh, U- USA Nintendo. Um, I was getting right. really happy for 
GameStop again because <laughs> I was like, maybe with Reggie in there, they could finally make a GameStop that's good again. So we'll see what happens with all this going on as the weeks progress. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I think we both have very fond memories of GameStop. We hope they stay around, but this uh, this whole thing is going to slow down everyone's business. I mean, it, so it's interesting with Amazon, though, in particular. Um, GameStop, for example, is not in a position to say they're essential, really, as very clearly they're getting their license revoked says. Um, but Amazon, on the other hand, for the most part, seems like while they're while everything else kind of shuts down around them, every retail store or they go into reduced hours like Best Buy and Walmart, Amazon seems like it's going to stay open basically the entire epidemic. Um, now, granted, they're going to be anything I would say that is kind of non-essential in a sense. They're probably going to cut that back on a little bit. But it looks like for the most part, their delivery system, the drivers, the warehouse, all that sort of stuff is going to stay up and working. Um, so especially, you know, if you're ordering things on Amazon, like let's say you're ordering essentials such as um, toilet paper, as you can't find it in any warehouse store or anything like that around, or even other things like uh, food, like let's say from like, uh, let's say you need to buy some food just to last you the month or however long you need. They're going to keep their whole food section open as well. So it's kind of interesting. I, so I'll ask you this question, Robert. Do you consider Amazon an essential service? Yes, I actually, I, I do. I do think I do. Well, with how many people say, okay, so right now they're saying everyone should stay indoors. Um, right. And the only way for everyone to stay indoors is if they have something like Amazon or some, like shipping service that's giving them the essentials to live off of because that's what a lot of people are using Amazon for. Actually, Amazon's uh, actually doing really good business right now because everyone's staying indoors and having stuff shipped to their house. While instead of waiting the crazy lines at the grocery stores and fighting over stuff and having the risk of getting the the virus itself, so I do think Amazon should stay open in some form, um, just because of how. It, it like how it already has centers around the nation, so it could easily transport stuff. Um, it already has a whole entire infrastructure right out there. Um, so I definitely think it it should stay open. Um, in terms of what they're gonna do with it, I'm not sure. Do you, do you think they should keep up with sort of the intensity that they did before though? Like right now, I my understanding is basically they plan on basically keeping everything running almost as normal if not a little bit faster they don't seem like they want to slow anything down right now like they still want to keep that try to keep that two-day shipping all that sort of thing do you think they should continue doing that um it's it's kind of hard but i think they should um just because like, as if, so many people if, are staying indoors right um, but even if it means their employees might be in more danger because they're going to be the ones driving around. The, they're going to be in the warehouses, um, which for everything that I'm sure Amazon tries to do to keep it sanitary is probably, you know, with the amount of items in it from all the different places, it's going to be a little bit, maybe a little more exposed than a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. Do you think in that case they should be trying to run as normal? Because I'll, I'll be clear. I do agree with you that I think Amazon is sort of an essential service. The part maybe I'm a little, maybe I feel a little differently on is whether or not sort of the intensity of how they're running things should still be as normal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. What they could do is, I'm just trying to think here, because as like you know, as more people get their jobs closed and stuff. Um, there's more people being like laid off and losing jobs and now you have a lot of people looking for jobs right now i would think to uh pay rent and stuff um right so maybe i'm not sure but if like amazon could start employing more people and then have more shifts but then that also increases the chance of it spreading so it's very I hard to say yeah this is like very I mean, like I, there's not one ahead, way yeah. to go about it but yeah go ahead what are you saying i, I actually I, I actually didn't think about that uh that that sort of perspective before that's a very interesting way to look at it the idea that maybe 
they employ more people because even if it increases maybe a little exposure, it could maybe stimulate the economy a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a because if you I, have, Am- yeah. I mean, you have all these other companies closing, and it's so we don't only have the virus, but have people losing their jobs and given a couple more months of this. And I remember reading, I mean, companies are not meant to last for a year and a half of no uh, income. Right. No, absolutely And the government not. cannot bail out everyone. So no. that's the problem that you run into. So it's like you get to the point where it's just like you have two hands and you have like the economy and then people's safety. Um, and so if more, I mean, having I more, mean, am- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, though, Amazon at its level, though, I mean, it's one of the multi-billionaire, I think they might be a trillion dollar company, maybe not right now with everything going on, but they're definitely one of the richer companies out there. I like. I almost do wonder if maybe during this time of crisis, because they have so much more than most other companies have to work with, like, do you think... Like I almost wonder, is there a better way to approach this that maybe only they could do at their in their position? Like, I don't know if that that sort of makes sense in that way. Like, um, you know, compared to let's let, like let's say a smaller company, like um, what's a good example of a smaller company? Like let's say Walmart or Target, for example. Like they don't have nearly the amount of resources that Amazon has at its level, but. It's just, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, though, at the same time. Like, the idea that maybe for people who are stuck at home that need to get certain things to their house, Amazon might be the only way to do it since they have the resources to do it already. But, yeah, I, I could definitely see I could definitely see the other side of it, too, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's there's not a the clean slate answer to this. Right. Because um, <clears throat> if you risk it, more people... Then they're touching boxes, and those boxes go to houses and stuff. So then you have a, the same problem happening. So if right. they could use maybe, I mean, Amazon has all these like robots and stuff too. So that's um, true too. A lot of what they do is already automated. Because I know sense, so. actually a lot more uh, AI companies are going high right now because they're starting to look into like autonomous cars and stuff like that. So. That's true as well. Avoiding yeah. people's contacts. So maybe we're going to a world of AI more quicker <laughs> than we thought. <laughs> I mean, it, this could... I, I was I was talking to... Uh, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but I was talking about it. So all the schools right now and all that sort of thing are shut down right now. I almost wonder if this is sort of the shifting point where everything, as you said, starts becoming more autonomous, more AI sort of reliance rather than human-related in a sense. Like, it's not that crazy to think about since we're already kind of doing it right yeah this would be a perfect time to get in it because there's no one on the road and stuff so right. if you wanted to implement something big like that i mean to the, right now would be a, a good time to do it yeah i mean if you manage to do it that would be awesome um i it'd be an interesting repercussion after this whole thing but i i mean the only nice thing about this sort of thing, I guess, from Amazon is they are letting workers go on to sick leave if they do start showing symptoms of the virus or they have any sort of other symptoms that might be otherwise related to the virus in any way. That is one thing I will say Amazon, I think, is doing well is that they are sort of acknowledging that this is a danger to their employees and they're letting their employees kind of um, have some sort of safety net if something does happen, right? Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that's always good to see. We are seeing other effects, though. Uh, Tesla is fully shutting down as far as it goes. Um, at least in, I think, Cal- uh, California, they're definitely fully shut down. Although my understanding is they're also planning on maybe shutting down other places as well in the meantime, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, especially for such a small, well, fledgling company like that. And I believe Tesla, they just released their Y car? Y model? Right, the, uh, like the that? Model Y. Model Y? Yeah. So <laughs> people That's... are just getting they it was it six months early or something like that, right? Um, so people are getting it shipped to their doors right now and <laughs> they get a lead <laughs> sled to sit there, <laughs> right? I mean it's oh yeah it's kind of funny they're getting their cars and then they can't even really drive it around at the moment. I mean maybe they could drive it around and that's it. The Teslas I think do have like a hazard mode, don't they? So like you could become resilient to biohazards in the area. Um. We are in a we are in an interesting time. Um, 
I mean, we are seeing the decline of pretty much all sales of everything. Every company is going into certain economic downturn and all that sort of thing. Um, but I do want to sort of, you know, leave the topic about the virus. Cause I, while I think it's affecting all of us right now, I think we can all take some time to, you know, look away from it. Let's talk a little bit about um, some hackers that breached a co- uh, an F- FSB contractor and they leaked some details about an IoT hacking project. So to kind of add context to this, there was a uh, there was an IoT botnet that was called Fronton. And basically what ended up happening is a Russian hacker group uh, basically breached the contractors of uh, a Russian, the Russian National Intelligence Center is what they did, um, and they just they published a bunch of data on it, all that sort of thing. So, this is a big issue. Now, why is this sort of a big issue? Well, IoT, for maybe somebody who's aware, is the Internet of Things, and the Internet of Things is essentially everything around you. Like, imagine your toaster in the kitchen that now connects to the internet. That is an IoT device. Um, now, you could ask Alexa to cook your toast for you at a certain temperature and all that sort of thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, this is a real thing. Um, also, I'm sorry for saying the uh, the uh, the internet curse word um, of uh, A-L-E-X-A-A. She is a curse word. I'm sorry about that for everyone that just went off right now. But basically, what so what are the implications of this? Well, for one, that means your IoT stuff that they've been developing this whole time now might be hacked. Things like cameras, uh, your toaster in the kitchen, your fruit refrigerator, your microwave, even maybe to an extent something like your uh, your assistant devices could be compromised because of something like this. Um, like IoT is all around us at this point. So it's not a small thing for something like this to be hacked, especially from such a large organization. Like, uh, like Robert, what's an IoT device you have in uh, where you live? Um, well, my TV is one of them. Uh, there you go. It's connected to Google. It's an Android. It's a Sony Bravia, so it's an Android, one of those Android TVs. Oh, um, gotcha. It's, uh, yeah. So that one, because you could talk to Google on that one, so that one's an IoT. Uh, we're pretty poor, so <laughs> besides, like, computers and stuff, uh that's pretty much it i mean i never really look into smart blenders or <laughs> smart, smart toasters friend uh, fridges or anything um can't play right. skyrim on my fridge yet so <laughs> <laughs> the time when we can play skyrim on the fridge would be crazy but basically this is a huge issue that could cause a massive amount of iot devices to be compromised um, so I would advise, you know, sort of as just a precaution, if you have any IOT devices, you know, make sure that you know when they're listening and when they're not supposed to be listening, you know, check your cameras, change your passwords, all that sort of thing. Although in this case, I don't know how much that's going to help in this case, but every little bit helps. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to be, you know, we'll be working on our end while Robert has his smart TV um i've got a google home speaker that i've talked to yep always listening (laughs) always on always always listening of course actually the mic is muted right now so you know feel good about that one but you know we want to encourage you all to be safe out there stay healthy especially in these times check your iot devices if you see someone spying on you you know give them the old snip snip um and yeah yeah, that i think that's gonna be the end of the episode for today so you know we'll try to keep up with you guys keep you up to topic on the news in these times where you got probably nothing else to do don't worry we're feeling it here as well aren't we (laughs) yep very bored (laughs) yes and the tech economy is slowing down so right uh tech news as well uh our topics i hope our topics today were at least a little interesting we're trying to find the best things for you guys to listen to but if you do want to stay up to date with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as any podcast platform that you listen to us on. Click that subscribe button. Um, I think that's what most of them call it. They could call it different things. But, Smash you know. that like. 
There you go. I don't think there's like either, but. <laughs> All right, smash it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're hoping you guys will uh, be safe out there. We encourage it. We, we're hoping that you'll be around for the next episode as well on Artificial Talk. And I'm your host, Tristan. I am Robert. There you go. And we'll see you guys next week. Well, maybe not us. So maybe different yeah, people. Yeah, but- you'll probably switch up. You'll probably have Patrick and Lewis. Yeah. So. And they're, you know, they're, they'll, they'll have fun with you guys. They'll find they'll find topics that are maybe a little less bleak. Um, you know, this whole virus thing is a little... Yeah, this thing... Over yeah, we don't know how long it's going to last, but we'll just still be here in our locked in our rooms talking about it. <laughs> we'll be keeping you guys entertained zooming our teachers (laughs) so stay safe out there guys and we'll see you next week bye bye